For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Time for Bearcat Blitz on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Russ Heltman, joined by my co-host, Neil Meyer, across the way there as Cincinnati grips the season back from the brink, baby. They were on the precipice, and they get off of it with a fantastic, well-timed 75-72 road win over Texas Tech. Neil was right. I was wrong. The Bearcats prove my co-host right in his prediction of the upset as five-and-a-half-point underdogs. They get it done thanks to a nasty finish from Seamus Lukosius. He goes three-for-three three on his final shot attempts in the game. And good enough, those six points to lift Cincinnati over Texas Tech in what was a, another clutch time game that UC found itself on the right side of this time. We'll dive into all of that, get into where they stand in the latest NCAA tournament projections, how they look there. And we will kind of just take an overall look at the Big 12 with no midweek game on deck. Nothing to preview there. Midway point, four and five overall. Can Cincinnati find a way to go five and four down the stretch? We'll discuss all that in the final segment of the show. But before we get into all of this good stuff, it's playoff time. And the usual suspects are heading to Vegas for the championship. And our partner, Bet Online, is your number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of the Gatorade, Bet Online is the number one source for your championship wagering. Head to Bet Online and join today to get into all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. Neil, 75-72. I've talked enough so far on the show, my man. The floor is yours. What a performance for the Bearcats. They prove you right. The defense does just enough. And how about Seamus Lukosius? He has the heroic second half to compliment Dan Skilling's heroic first half. Yeah, and this was a game where I project, uh, projected this game to be a 78-74 to victory in favor of the Bearcats, but a 75-72, to so real close prediction there. But overall, this is a huge win for West Miller and the Bearcats. Obviously, they were coming off a stretch where the West Virginia loss was looming over their head, and that was a very tough 69-65 to loss, a quad three loss. But they knew they had to respond in some sort of way. And, man, did they did it in Lubbock on Saturday. I thought Dan Skillings was phenomenal in the first half, and he finished with 14 points and seven rebounds. And then Seamus Lukosius took over in the second half, and, I mean, that's something, Russ, that we have seen stretches of this season. Down the stretch when the Bearcats need a basket, who is it that gets that basket? For most of the time this season, it has been Seamus Lukosius. And we saw it in the Texas game. We see it here again versus Texas Tech. 
finishes three for three down the stretch and a phenomenal basket with 20 seconds left. Then they get the steal. They throw it out to John Newman to seal the game after Texas Tech, I don't know, defense collapse. I, I couldn't even tell you. They all crashed the boards. Could have been a one-point victory, but glad it was a three-point victory. Sealed the deal a little bit more, but a phenomenal road win and not an easy environment. I thought John Newman absolutely was a warrior, as Wes Miller would have said in this one. Obviously, was a true game-time decision heading into this contest with that rib injury. Comes back, finishes with 11 points, uh, 11 points, 5 rebounds. Held Pop Isaacs to 5-19 and 19 from the floor. And that was something that we've also talked about coming into this one was you'd have to find a way to contain Pop Isaacs. And I think for us, if you ask me, you might be able to attest to this a little more. Was that the most frustrated we have seen Pop Isaacs this whole season? No doubt. And, and you, you could see Tom Crean. He noted it. Uh, Tom Crean, great job on the on the color yeah, commentary. Great, that one. Job. That was the great job. Best crew, best uh, national crew that have done a game. We love the local crew for the non-con, of course, uh, with the with the local uh, ESPN plus crew here in Cincinnati. But then in terms of national crews, that was my favorite one that's done a UC game so far this year, him and Chucky Kemp. And just, uh, just Tom Green noting that what you just pointed out, Neil, how pop Isaacs, just especially in the back half of that just crunch time period, not great body language and not necessarily lighting a fire under his guys, so to speak. Yeah. And you talk about it, Tom Green, man, was that, it felt like I was in a film session for two and a half hours watching that game. And what he had to say about Cincinnati during the broadcast was phenomenal. I mean, like we talk about film session stuff, like Dan Skillings, he had high praise for Dan Skillings, said he's going to be an NBA player someday with his athleticism and that he was a late bloomer. But man, I, c I could sit and listen to a Tom Crean game for hours upon hours, Russ, if it was. But I thought that was the best broadcast we have had all season. Was a lot better than the Howard broadcast, to say the least. So had to have to throw that out there but man that's a huge win for West Miller and the Bearcats yeah the Howard one there's there's some different different budget levels on these Dude. these two sides of things for sure but yeah the, the Howard game was a tough watch to say the least Tom Crean he noted it and then Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal gave credence to it with firm numbers Neil you see in uh in in games where they play Big 12 opponents this year the Big 12 opponent that they face the following game they are yet to win so far in 2024. 0-8, the team that faces Cincinnati is in their following game after taking on the Bearcats. Tom Crean noted that was kind of the, the marker and the mantra of this program dating back to the Conference USA days, dating back to the 90s with Bog Hubbins, all the way through the mid-2000s, carrying that torch with Mick Cronin in the mid-2000s into the aughts, into the teens, into the 2010s, and now Wes Miller trying to bring that back. And that's the biggest thing, I think, that this game hammered home, Neil, is that this team is going to fight. They're going to make it difficult. They're going to bring the physicality every single game. They've done that all season long. Even when I've ripped them at times, they've never not brought a thousand percent effort. They've been down and out a little bit. They've had to deal with lineup changes. They've had to deal with sicknesses. They've had to deal with injuries to key, key guys, a guy fighting through injury in this past weekend's win in John Newman but they find a way. They have that built-in culture, branded identity. I think it's clear now. It's clear what they are built on. It's defense. It's rebounding, just like those old Bearcat teams. That's how they won this game, by holding Texas Tech to 72 points, their third lowest conference game total so far this year. One of the best three-point shooting teams in the entire conference. The best by percentage. 
five of 15. Great, great three-point defense in this game by the Bearcats. And what do they do, Neil? They did just enough on offense to give themselves a chance and give CMOS Lukosius a chance to win this game in the final minute. 10 of 10 at the free throw line. 10 yep. of 10, Neil. The fans are singing Three the praises times. all the way above. Unbelievable. This team goes on double-digit attempts, 100% from the line. They shoot 35% from three. Those things feel like Mendoza lines. If you can get 80% at the line, we're not going to say they got to go 100% every single game, but 80% at the line and 35 to 40% from three, you make Yeah, and that was, for us, that was the first time that they have gone 10 for 10 from the foul line since 2005. So that was the first time. Actually, I kicked myself out of the recording right there. But, uh, yeah, continue. Sorry. Yeah, that was the first time that they've gone 10 for 10, a perfect 100% from the foul line since 2005 to 2006. Think about that. Nearly 20 years has that feat not been accomplished, and they finally get it done, 10 for 10 from the foul line. And let's be honest, Russ, if they even miss two of those free throws, game could be swung in a different way. And we have to give props to it because a couple of the guys who have struggled with free throws this season, Aziz Bandego, Victor Lockin, they combined for a six for six from the foul line. So those guys stepped up tremendously in order to – help the Bearcats go 100% from the foul line to get this W versus Texas Tech. Yeah, and Aziz Bandego obviously struggled all season long. That was huge, four for four on his part, and then two for two from Victor Locken, who otherwise had another bad game. I mean, this is his bad, this is his worst two-game stretch as a Bearcat. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it when you think about him going uh, a combined one of, I think, one of nine from the field in the past two games, just four total points. Uh, had the two uh, two free throw makes and had the one close field goal he made in this one, but 0 for 1 from downtown again. Victor Locken struggling, continue, continuing to struggle. But CMOS Lukosius, fantastic in this one. I thought John Newman III, as you mentioned, Neil, was one of the players of the game as well. His defense paired with Day-Day Thomas, who had to come mm-hmm. in for some spurts against, uh, against Pop Isaacs as well. Both those guys are playing unbelievable perimeter defense and a big reason why Cincinnati is 16th nationally in overall adjusted efficiency uh, in terms of the top defenses in the country. And Aziz Bandego, as I mentioned, you got the same defensive impact that he's basically brought all year long, Neil, except this time, we saw Aziz make it free throws. We saw Aziz put that ball on the floor a little bit in the post to get to the rim, get a little bucket that way. Just little sprinkles of offense out of Aziz. Seven to 10 points a game. That's all you need out of him because we know how much he affects the rim pressure and we know how much he affects the rebounding, the top rebounder in this game with 10 boards overall and a 39-35 advantage for the top 10, a top 10 rebounding team in the country in Cincinnati. This was one of the better wins I would say, of the West Miller era, Neil. It was a defining, I think, moment for Simas Lukosius as a guy that can take that mantle and be the go-to, just knock out the other team, silence the entire road arena guy he was all throughout the 2022-23 season at Butler. Things are starting to come together. The identity is there. The talent is starting to come in, and they're starting to get healthier with a perfectly timed bye week right in the middle of their schedule that they're going through right now. Yeah, and the bye week comes at a perfect time because obviously 
John Newman was still banged up with the rib injury, but decided to give it a go after not practicing for the two days heading into Texas Tech. C.J. Frederick still overcoming the hamstring injury. He went through a couple warm uh, warm-ups last few days heading into the West Virginia and the Texas Tech game, but wasn't able to go. Still kind of recovering it. We're sitting at about just over that month, heading into about maybe about six weeks out from the hamstring injury. So Wes Miller gave an update on his weekly radio show last week about CJ. So this bye week comes at a perfect time because Russ, after seeing him go through the warmups the other night, me and you both said that there was hope. Maybe we could see him versus Texas Tech, but it just wasn't able to happen. So this bye week now gives a guy like CJ Frederick another six days before a contest before they ramp back up versus a very tough Houston team. And then next thing you know, it's, hey, we might be able to see C.J. Frederick out there first Houston potentially. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But, man, this bye week's coming at a great time. And especially right now after a huge momentum win, after you fall to West Virginia and then you get this big win versus Texas Tech, the bye week comes at a perfect time, especially heading into a gauntlet of Houston and Iowa State as your next two opponents. Thousand percent. And C.J. Frederick, I would be honestly at this point shocked given the trends, given if there's no setbacks this week. If we don't see CJ on the court this coming Saturday, I would be a little surprised. Although you got to leave that that possibility out there for him not to keep playing or not to be back out there because it's a hamstring. We all know how those soft tissue injuries. It's a big reason why he's he's on the mend right now. It, it, not not that it's anybody's fault, but he obviously came back a little too fast, retweaked it. They do not want that to happen again. It's really hard to gauge when these soft tissue injuries are a thousand percent ready to go. You almost just have to test it to see. And that's what they're doing over the next few days or so. 75-72 win for Cincinnati over number 15, Texas Tech. Their third ranked win of the season. And you know, Neil, you and I were talking about that quad one and quad two record for Wes Miller. I believe he had just six of those wins in his first two seasons as the Bearcats head coach. He now has four wins in 10 tries so far in 2023-2024 campaign. So on a right trajectory, Neil, four and six overall in those quad one, quad two games so far this season. I think right around five to six Q1, Q2 wins is what we were hoping they would be able to get, what we projected them to be able to get, and that's kind of what they're pacing for right now. We'll dive into how those wins have affected the NCAA tournament bubble check-in in just a moment, but one more shout-out here. I got to give some flowers to Jamil Reynolds. He's getting his minutes yanked around a little bit right now, only getting out there for 10 minutes against Texas Tech. But I thought he played good, good ball in that one. His One of his better showings as a Bearcat, plus four in the game overall, two for three from the field, had three rebounds as well, and an assist, no turnovers. Solid, decent minutes out of Jamil Reynolds. Curious to see, and I'm excited to ask Wes Miller during his weekly press conference, the first weekly presser outside of a game we've had in a while, to see how Jamil can work his way further into the rotation and get into the 20-minute range as opposed to the 10-minute range. We'll dive into all of it coming up on Bear Cap Blitz. Bearcat Blitz getting into our second segment of the show after a 75-72 win for Cincinnati over number 15 Texas Tech. They're 2-0 all time against the Red Raiders. They beat them back in the early 60s in the NCAA tournament by 20-plus points. I think 78-55 was the final score of that game. And a lot closer 
in Lubbock this past Saturday, but a W nonetheless as Cincinnati gets it done. 75-72, thanks to 16 points from Stimas Lukosius and 14 points from Dan Skillings Jr. Neil, looking at the Bearcats right now, let's take a peek at Bracket Matrix, see if this has been updated as of our recording. It has not. Last update was on February 2nd when Cincinnati was among just 28 of 80 brackets out there. 85 brackets, excuse me. I imagine they'll be up above in the 40s range once that is finally updated sometime on this Monday or Tuesday. And then when we look at team rankings overall, they are up, Neil, from 43% chance, a 43% chance to make the NCAA tournament going into the weekend. They now sit at a 58% chance to make the tournament. They were unseated out of the field going into the Texas Tech game, and now they are the 39th seed in the overall field, a 10th seed overall, and right back in the mix, right back in the mix. Neil, I mixed up your uh, little N and N and M right there. It's all right there for them, Neil. It just feels like somehow, some way, been sending it in our big uh, Bearcat group chats. Get to ten, get to nine wins. Figure out a way to go 500 in conference play. They should get in the dance if they do that and they gave themselves an easier path to that kind of formality that finality with a win over Texas Tech yeah absolutely and Russ this is something we've talked about as you mentioned but they have to find a way me personally I've been saying that they go 500 in conference play they should be able to find a way into the big dance but overall sitting at the midway point they're sitting four and five right now but they could easily easily be sitting at a seven and two or even a eight and one in conference play. I mean, you lose to Texas by one, you lose to West Virginia by four, lose to Baylor by three. It's like there's multiple games there that have been decided by just few, few points. And it feels like they left some opportunities on the table, but the Texas Tech win was a phenomenal win for them that they were able to build off of. But right now you have to be proud of where they're hanging right here as the midway point. Obviously going to Kansas, at Allen Fieldhouse was a game where everyone expected just to go in there and it be an automatic L, but the Bearcats fought to the very end, a 74 to 69 game. And in a game that was much closer than people anticipated, especially after Kansas started 14 to two to start the game. So, I mean, right now they're, they're right there in the neck and neck. I believe they are two games out of first place in the big 12 conference, but that's yep. the big 12 conference standings. Like the big 12 has continued to show why they are the best conference in all of America because of how talented they are. I mean, Houston just goes on the road and gets a huge win at Kansas. So now the Bearcats have an opportunity to redeem themselves versus their loss to the Jayhawks. But the next two-game stretch for us, I think, is going to be the most important two-game stretch of of the season, and it could be the two-game stretch that defines the season. And we talked about it on the last episode of this show where over the next three games, we said that over the next four games, you and I both said that they have to go two and two, at least two and two. I was saying three and one because if you go three to one, it solidifies your spot, especially with how big of a win Iowa State just had, or they lost to Baylor over the other day. So I mean, they played Baylor really well, took them to overtime, lost at the buzzer, which was a the shot went in, just didn't get it off right before the buzzer. But this is a huge stretch because Iowa State has continued to prove. They're one of the best teams in the country. And Houston might be the number one team in the country right there outside of UConn and UNC because of what – and Purdue, obviously. But what they were able to do – I mean, they went into Allen Fieldhouse and just dominated Kansas. So 
kind of curious to see how Houston responds, but they, it, everyone. Knows. About, wait, no, Houston, Houston got beat by 11. Kansas shot oh, 70% Kansas, from yep. the field. Yep. Kansas beat them by them 11. Up. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So Kansas beat them by 11. So kind of curious to see how Houston responds versus uh, Cincinnati on this weekend, which for people who don't know, it's going to be neon night at fifth third. I'm hearing some good stuff. It's going to be a, a rocking environment. So if you guys are at fifth third arena on Saturday, Get ready and wear the neon colors. There you go. Little uh, neon. Is there like, it's tough to find neon colors of red and black, isn't it? It's like, it's tough, tough to find those shades for sure. But I'm sure Baccarat's fans will find a way. Yeah. Good th- Good news for UC is Houston does not get a week off between mm-hmm. their loss to Kansas and their trip to UC. They get to welcome in Oklahoma State, the worst team in the conference, for a little whooping session before they go on the road to take on Cincinnati. So that's great news for the Bearcats and the team in general, just in terms of scheduling, timing. You'd love the fact that the the bad taste in the Cougars' mouths is not going to be carried over from Kansas all the way to Cincinnati with a week to stew on it. So Houston on deck up next, and then Iowa State as well, number 12 Iowa State coming to Cincinnati on February 13th. Big, big games, big, big games at Cincinnati. Really, Neil, it would be, at this point, a shock if they find a way to get the nine wins, to post five more out of the next nine. I mean, if they got the nine, the only scenario I could see them getting to nine wins and not making the tournament is if the wins came against UCF, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, West Virginia and home against Iowa State. But even then, if you get if those are your five wins, you still have that Iowa State win that you had to get to get to that ninth win and to get to that 500 record. That would be enough quad one, quad two victories, in my opinion. And all of the other bad, there wouldn't be any more bad losses to, to pull from. Now, and then if now if there is a bad loss, then that means if they got the nine wins they will have added a quad one or a quad two win to cancel that one out. So I think the Texas Tech, by winning that game, they have not created, they've created very few scenarios where they can go nine, get nine wins and be left out in my opinion, because of the fact that one of those, that, that win that got you to five or that win that got you to four wins and allowed you to get that break and that bridge to the ninth win is going to be a top 15 road bout that will end up being one of the top 20, the top 25, top 30 wins in the country once it's all said and done at the end of the season. Yeah, and especially with how dominant Texas Tech has been at home, I mean, I think we right, were They were undefeated, 11-0, and, and the one stat that we didn't bring up, Neil, was 45 consecutive wins when leading or tied at the half for Texas Tech, which they were up by one, right, or two? Yeah, up by one at the half. Yeah. So that's a fantastic win. And I mean, it's if you're asking me, Russ, it's a perfect momentum block right now to build off of. You now have the week off and especially heading into the big dance, potentially here in about we're about a month out from conference tournament. I think the biggest challenge for them, obviously, you talked about the UCF game, the Iowa State game. If they can get to nine wins, I mean, you're still going to have to go on the road and you're going to have to battle a tough TCU team, a Houston. If you can get the win versus Iowa State or Houston, just one of those two at home, I think you're in good standings. But I still think there's still a situation where you still have to go and get one of these games on the road that you aren't supposed to win. If you can do that, it solidifies your spot even more for 
an NCAA tournament bid. So that's where I'm standing at for them, but it's still a great opportunity for Wes Miller and the Bearcats heading into the final stretch, the back half of conference play to find a way to get back to the NCAA tournament for what Russ, the first time since 2018, 2019. Yep. That'll be the first time, first time this decade that Cincinnati is trying to get back to the dance. And one of those road games, Neil mentioned that they're not expected to win. I think fans are, are hopeful and kind of expecting a toss up at UCF. It's going to be, kind of nip tuck nick nip tuck that one could go either way and then the three ones that are more so in question at houston at tcu and at oklahoma if they get one of those three on the road mm-hmm. or two of those four that i mentioned overall like we meant like we've been saying the path to nine wins just gets a whole lot easier after being very difficult with the loss to west virginia last week they gave themselves some more leeway with a road win to follow it up against texas tech Final segment coming your way. No preview of a midweek game because there's a bye week this week. A well-timed bye week for a UC team that's been through some wars lately and is ready to be off of the list of 17 teams, Neil, nationally, that has a positive conference point differential, but a losing conference record. Very rare, rare status in the landscape of college basketball and they are trying to get rid of that over the next week or so get back to 500 with an upset win over houston midway point of big 12 play have they met the expectations so far we'll give our answers after the break and we'll give a mid-conference mvp i'll have neil pick his and i'll give my x factor for the rest of the season as we close up shop on this bearcat blitz Neil Meyer, my co-host, along with myself, Russ Heltman, your host of Bearcat Blitz on the Believe Network. 75-72 win for Cincinnati over the Texas Tech Red Raiders, the number 15 ranked Texas Tech Red Raiders. A big one for Wes Miller's crew and one that gives them some uh, more defined paths towards the NCAA tournament and kind of lifts a lot of restrictions off a nine-win conference slate that doesn't get them into the NCAA tournament. There's just not a lot of paths for that to happen after they picked up that win over Texas Tech. Got to keep winning, though. Got to go five and four down the stretch. Four and five, though, to start, Neil, in conference play. When we look at the overall record of Cincinnati, they sit at 15 and seven. They're eighth in the Big 12. But, I mean, who cares about standings in the Big 12 right now when every team except for Oklahoma State is – or every team except for – West Virginia and Oklahoma State is within two games of the overall conference. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I I think they have ultimately, as we sit here on February 5th, met expectations so far. I expected them to go 500 in conference play. I did expect them to get one of those wins against Dayton or Xavier. So that is maybe where they're just on the low part of meeting my expectations as opposed to blowing through them, so to speak. And if they would have gotten one of those wins, they would have a very strong path. I would guess that percentage would be at 75 to 80% to make the NCAA tournament right now with one of those wins. But a loss, that didn't happen. And so I would say they've met expectations, Neil, so far as we get to the midpoint of the conference slate, but just barely met them. They're on the low end of meeting my expectations. What about you? Yeah, I think they have met my expectations because, I mean, you're looking at their record right now, four and five in Big 12 play. Obviously, I don't think many people had a one loss, a one point loss to Texas, a three point loss to Baylor. 
on their bingo card this season. And then obviously we've talked about it earlier this season, Russ, about how we thought this could be the year where they go to Xavier and get the job done, but they were just not able to do it. But outside of that, I think they've met my expectations. I mean, the only thing that really kind of limit them and hurt them, in my opinion, has been the loss to Dayton or Xavier. But to start the Big 12, four and five, and I mean, you're hanging in there with Kansas. You go to Allen Fieldhouse, you lose by four in a game where believe it was a nine point favorite in favor of Kansas, if I remember right. And then you go yeah, on the were, road. I covered that one. They're four. I think the they're four and oh, four and oh against the spread on the road this year. You see us. Yeah. So then you go in on the road play, that is. and you get Baylor and it was a lot closer of a game than a lot of people anticipated. So, I mean, they're right there with these teams. I mean, they're competing. And the one thing, Russ, that has came up in every press conference with opposing coaches is Cincinnati's physicality. And that is something that has stood out throughout Big 12 play because, as we talked about, opposing teams are yet to win a game after playing Cincinnati in the Big 12 team, in the Big 12 conference slate. So that is something that has been tremendous. But, yeah, I definitely thought that they have met my expectations up to date right now through the first nine games of Big 12 conference play. Your MVP, Neil, at the midpoint of conference play. My MVP right now, I have to go. You have to go with John Newman. I don't All think right. there's. I don't think there's any other answer besides John Newman. What he has done right now on the defensive end here in Big Twelve play has solidified his case from me personally to be in contention for Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year. And there is no question about it that he deserves to be in that conversation for Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year. I thought what he has done on guys like Pop Isaacs. Jacoby Walter, uh, Kevin McCuller from Kansas. What he has done right now through conference play has been phenomenal. And he has been the true heart and soul of the Cincinnati Bearcats team. And fans right now, they're starting to see what kind of player John Newman is, especially after coming off the knee injury. Fans right now are seeing what kind of player he actually is and how much he truly means to this Bearcats team. So for me, the MVP right now would be John Newman. I like it. I like it. I, I, I thought you might go with CMOS. I thought you might go with CMOS just considering his late game heroics and what he's been able to do to ultimately help Cincinnati seal a couple of victories in crunch time scenarios. But you can't argue with John Newman the third for sure. Cannot argue with him. He's been the most impactful player, I would say, two ways, both ways in conference play to say the least. My X factor for the rest of the season, Neil, I got two guys, two guys here, and they both have to do with the offense. C.J. Frederick and Victor Locken. If UC can get 80 to 90% of the preseason expectations out of those two players for the remainder of this season, they're going to be a second weekend tournament team. They may even be an Elite Eight team. I truly believe in this depth that much. That is a big if, though. Victor Locken has not played like a Big 12 player so far in conference play, at least over the last four to five games. He just has not. The, the stats have not been there. The performances have not been there. He knows, and the entire team knows, the entire fan base knows, that as the top billing guy going into this year, the best offensive player, the premier offensive player in this team going into conference play, he's got to play, play, play better. And then also offensively, the most efficient player, the best connector, the guy who gets you that one more pass, that one more better look, that two to three extra made shots a game, C.J. Frederick. If Frederick can be what he was before the injury, shooting 
right near his old Iowa Hawkeye three-point markers, three-point line marks, then this team is going to be very, very dangerous because we know they can play defense. We can know they can play defense without those guys playing well. They can play defense without C.J. Frederick at all. They've done it over the past month and six weeks, as Neil mentioned. It's been that long since we've had Frederick on the floor. And then we know they can win without Flocken playing well. But they can be one of the best teams in this conference if Victor Locken figures it out and C.J. Frederick comes back playing just as well as he did before the injury. Those two guys, big X factors, Neil. They're my biggest X factor. And they're how we're getting out of this episode on Bearcat Blitz. For Neil Meyer, I'm Russ Heltman. This has been Bearcat Blitz on the Believe Network, presented by Bet Online. <laughs> Seconds left, shot clock off, four-point game. DeJulius puts up a three. Yeah!